All right, thank you for that. Wonderful. And really, that's, that's what we ought to do every day. We ought to lift up the cross of Jesus. And, you know, there's a lot of lifting ourselves up a little bit in, in life. And, and many times that can be what, it's, uh, what it boils down to. But there's just so much more things to live for, isn't there? And, you know, uh, when, you, when you start to look at a little bit of an inventory of your life, you start to realize that there's just, there's just more and more that God gives you. And, you know, just in regard to us as Christians, as, as God's people, from a spiritual point of view, God wants to, to give and to bless and wants to um, move us forward and advance us and wants us to, to gain certain things. And even in this life, when you think about us as, as believers, if you're here, you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time where you trusted Him to be your Savior. You, uh, you would notice that God didn't immediately take you. He could have. I mean, really, when you study the Christian's destiny, it's heaven. He could have just automatically said, as soon as you called on Him, He would have brought you up in your place that He had prepared for you. But he, he left us here on this earth for a reason. And he's given us a purpose to fulfill. And I, and I think part of that is to gain. Part of that is to, to, to experience a life that we have, and, and not only from a spiritual point of view, but we also understand that even from an earthly point of view, God, in many ways, he supplies our very needs. And, you know, you, you don't sometimes realize all of that until you start to take stock of, of where you're at. And, and you know, the best time to do that, and sometimes the most eye-opening time to do that, is when you start to move, right? Anyone ever had to clean up their home after, you know, after living in a place, and then you're starting to uh, have to move? Remember, we had to do that from moving from Sydney to Brisbane, and, and at that point, we needed to hire a truck because we couldn't, couldn't bring in our, our own things because of the because um, of the, the border closures. And so we had two weeks to, to go through all of our stuff. And if you know me, I just like to get rid of stuff, all right? It was an accumulation when we looked in our garage of things that we hadn't seen. And uh, who's, who's surprised that at times you look in your garage and you're like, that's where that went. <laughs> and why did I keep that? And you, you look at all of the things that just stuff begets stuff. And there's just this idea in life that the longer you live, live, there's just more to gain, isn't there? There's just more that God has allowed you to even gain. And, and that's, that's part of life is gaining. You know, you, you, you have certain aims that you want to uh, attain to. There's certain goals that you have. And, and there's things that God then allows you to, to gain over time. And, and yet sometimes that, that's all that it, it is. Sometimes, sadly, Christians live just like everyone else. It's just a human thing to gain. And that's all we do. We just continue to gain and get more gain. And before long, we're running out. Before long, we have to be, build bigger barns and all of that. And, and yet, for the Christian, you have to understand that in, in every facet of life that just comes with life, there's a greater purpose, isn't there? And it's not just the, the way that we would live it in a 
uh, in our day and in, in the expectations of society. You know, there's, there's a greater measure of, of, of purpose and there's a greater plan ahead in what God would have for us. And, and that was the case also in the life of the people of Israel. What we read there was just a, a portion of the making of the tabernacle, the, that, that very temporary uh, dwelling place of God here on earth on their sojourn to the promised land. And, and we know that God himself was the one that had patterned that. And if you've ever looked at that, that marvelous uh, type and the, the marvelous picture of, of God in heaven through the tabernacle, you would understand the great type that it is. But if you would just, uh, you would just look at it from an earthly perspective, and look at the craftsmanship and the, the amount of things that were needed to even get to the, that place of having this tabernacle to, to complete, ready to go, ready to transport every time God moved. You'd be amazed at, the, at just the, the, the sheer skill involved in making this tabernacle. And we won't even take the time and talk about the temple this morning. But it always amazes me at uh, the, the ingenuity of God's people in, in these couple of passages of Scripture. And, and they arrived to this place where, where, where God was describing the, here for us and, and recording for us in His Word the, the very makings of even the furnishings and the furniture that was needful for the tabernacle. And yet, sometimes we can get, get caught up and, and sometimes get caught up in the grand, the grand plan of it without appreciating perhaps some of the details and some of the, the, the ways in which God actually had to provide uh, for this very thing that he wanted and he wanted uh, for his people here. It was through his own people. It was through those, and, and they had just come out from their, their, their bondage in, in Egypt, and they were coming now to a place of freedom, of journeying into, into what God would have for them for their future and God had already in his mind known that they were going to be in this very place and, and going to require these very things that they needed. We look back and even from a point of view of, of not only the very things themselves, even the, the very skills that were involved, look at, look at chapter 35. So stick with me in Exodus 30, uh, in the book of Exodus. But we look at chapter 35 and notice verse 1. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye would do them. And notice there he says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you an holy day, a Sabbath day of rest. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Ye shall kindle no fire through your habitation unto the Sabbath, upon the Sabbath day. So he's, he's reiterating the, the, the law of the Sabbath there, the rest day, but there was an expectation of work for the rest of the week. And Moses spake in verse 4 unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you, and notice this, an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger's skins and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And notice verse 10, And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make 
all that the Lord hath commanded. And so within the group, within those that, that God had rescued out of Egypt, out of the, the bondage that they faced there, there was, a, there was an amount there of these things that they needed for the building and the manufacturing of the tabernacle. And so within that, you imagine that they had just come out of, of their, 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 their commune over there in Egypt, and they had all of these things on them, and, and God had a purpose for it. And within that group, not only did they have the things, they also had the skills that were needed. Because he says there's those who are wise-hearted among them who are going to make these things. Notice then in chapter, chapter 35, look, skip down to verse 30. And God named some of these specifically. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And notice what God did. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, in silver, in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in the carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. There were some things that, that this man, Bezalel, God had put in him that caused him to be able then to, to make these things. He was a craftsman. And, and you know, I, I always was amazed, I always amazed at, at those that could could uh, do some woodwork. And uh, a couple of, many years ago now, I went to visit uh, uh, at a conference in the U.S. and we were, we were running a, a little early for a flight and I was with Jeremy Youssef, Pastor Mance's, um, uh, Ma Ma Mance's son, and he and I were just traveling together. I had to look after him on the way back uh, to, to Sydney. And he said, can we stop and, and visit my uncle? And I didn't know who his uncle was, but sure, you know, it was a place to, uh, to, uh, to, to rest our feet a little bit before the long flight home. And so we went over there, we got dropped off, and we went into this house, and it was a beautiful house. And it was full of these wood carvings that just were so intricate and so beautiful. And come to find out that his uncle was a master craftsman, and he was actually one that was enlisted from time to time to build the president's desk. And, and he had enough skill that even the, the president of the United States would recognize him. And I imagine that, that uh, the, the kind of uh, skill that had, he had to be taught and the years of learning uh, those intricacies and the, having the knowledge of that to be recognized by someone and, and uh, someone who was of such a high office. And you imagine then Bezalel, the, the kind of uh, skills that he had that God names him and calls him to this very thing of working on the, of the furnishings of the tabernacle. So we see that, look at chapter 36 and verse 1, then wrought Bezalel and then another uh, fellow and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to, to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord hath put wisdom, even every one whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received the Moses all the offering 
which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary, to make it withal, and they wrought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And you imagine the, the amount of activity that was happening as they prepared to, to put together the tabernacle and all of the pattern that God had set for it. But in order for that to happen, there had to be those who had an understanding of what they had. There had to be those who had an understanding of what was, what was in their hand and what God had given them. And there had to be an understanding that at this point, there was a need to then give over what they had gained. And you know, too many times in, in life, there's, 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 there's choices that we make. And there's times where, where we wonder how the work of God and how the things of God are going to get completed. And no doubt, imagine Moses reading out the pattern for them. And again, they had just sojourned, uh, sojourned out, of the, the, out of Egypt. They had just experienced freedom for, for the very first time for many of them for their lives. And here God was giving them a responsibility. Here was, God was giving them a task to complete. And unknowns to them, actually God in, in all of his design in all of what he had desired for his people, he had in the background been preparing them for the very work that God was calling them to do. And by the way, that's how God does it. You know, we don't always notice the very things that God's doing in our lives, but rest assured, brethren, God is doing something in your life. And you may not notice that God's preparing you. You may not notice that God in all of the, the, the natural thing of life of gaining, God is doing something in your life that's going to enable you to be a contributor to the work that God is about to do. And, and these people didn't understand, and, and yet we understand this, that, that God used Moses to be the initiator of all of this. Go back now to Exodus chapter 3. And we commonly know this chapter as, as Moses' burning bush experience. He had just been for years now in the backside of the wilderness. He had run away because he had gone before God and had, 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 uh, had killed that Egyptian guard. And now he was running away. And, and now he's probably feeling like his whole life had just gone to waste a little bit. And yet here God appears in that burning bush. I would have loved to be there. I just know this. I would have had to take my shoes off. It was holy ground. And Moses was right there hearing from God the very, very calling that he had now to go and be that one that would rescue the people out of Egypt. And so they, they, they've been here now, the, the, the people of Israel, for 400 years. They had become now uh, slaves because a, a Pharaoh had risen up who knew not Joseph. And now he, they, were, uh, they were in in. Uh, really in, instituted within the, the government's plan to, to, uh, to raise up this great civilization uh, of Egypt. And they were now the, those that had to labor in those, in those areas of uh, building the pyramids and the sphinxes and all of that and all of the building works because of the threat that they, uh, they were to the nation of, of Egypt. But now Moses is going to come up and Moses has instructed several things here in the passage of Scripture, but go down with me to verse 19. And notice what God says to him after all of that. He says, I am that I am. That's, that's who you should say sent you, Moses. And he goes through that whole diatribe with Moses about, 
uh, about his calling. And part of that, notice verse 19. It says, and I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. He's saying, I'm going to send you there, uh, Moses. You, you've got this great calling again. I, I'm before you in this burning bush. And you're going to go there and you're going to encounter opposition. That's the deal. You're going to encounter a Pharaoh that's not going to let you go. You're going to encounter someone that's going to, you, you're going to take a little bit of time now. And it's not going to just be an automatic thing. And then he says this in verse 20. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I, shall, I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. So there's going to be now Moses' understanding. There's going to be a process of time. It's not going to happen immediately that you're going to rescue these people out of there. There's still going to be a bit of time that I'm going to take Moses. And, and we know that part of that is, is his own judgment, God's judgment upon this heathen nation of Egypt. He was going to smite them with the ten plagues as we know. He, he was going to judge that, that Pharaoh who had hardened his heart against God. And then notice what he says in verse 21. And I will give this people, not the Egyptians, he said this people, Israel, favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. So you imagine that there's already the deal that the Israelites were going to be rescued out of a, 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 a place and a predicament that they couldn't help themselves in. They, they didn't have the power to overcome the mighty Egyptian army. They didn't get, they have the power in themselves to overcome the situation that they found themselves in of slavery. They, they had no ability to actually overcome this mighty government, this mighty civilization of the day. And Moses was about to come by God's leading and calling to rescue them out of that. But above it all, even above that, they weren't going to go away empty. Hey, listen, you know, that great picture of salvation in the rescue of the Israelites, God's people, even as he's rescued us from the slavery of sin, that's not enough for God. That, 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 that blessing isn't, that's just the starting point. Listen, even with that, God doesn't want to give us away empty-handed. There's some things that in, this, in that time of rescue, in our sojourn still as we're waiting for our ultimate redemption, that God would have us to gain right here. And in fact, he gets more specific. He says in verse 22, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters. And notice this, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Hey, wouldn't that be great, ladies? Hey, listen, Moses comes in, and this was an instruction from God. He says to him, hey, ladies, you're going to be free in a little while. But while you're waiting, go on a shopping spree. Some of the ladies just woke up this morning. <laughs> and he said, go, just spoil the Egyptians. Go gain while you're waiting. Go, go get something uh, from this time that you're waiting for my rescue. And he's saying there, and, and they didn't know. There was no revelation yet of the tabernacle. 
There was no idea that God was going to set up this, this, this worship institution that they were going to go through while they were sojourning to the promised land. All they knew was this, gain. All they knew was this, while you're waiting, do something with your waiting time. While you're waiting, don't go away empty-handed. And, and you know, sometimes as God's people, and someone said it this week, sometimes we can be so heavenly-minded, we're not earthly good. Like we excuse ourselves with sometimes not gaining what we should from this life. And we go away thinking, well, we have heaven one day. Listen, we do have heaven one day, but we have this waiting time right now. And what's it for? What's this time right now? You know, sometimes we're too too minded of that that we don't realize that actually there's a great stewardship of the waiting time that God has for us right now. What are, you, what are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with the time of waiting for the rescue? What are we doing? And, and I think there's a clue here as to what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be spoiling the Egyptians. We're supposed to be gaining much from this life. Why? Because we don't know what God has a purpose for it for. There's something ahead. And, you know, many times we look around and we can pine about the, the struggle of the, the work of God and how is it that we're supposed to do the work of God for our day to day and how is it that we're supposed to send out missionaries. And by the way, there, there are those in our church right now who God is calling, who God has worked on, who God has, has touched their heart and, and they're in that time of exploration and they're in that time of preparation and, and there's going to be a need in a short little while, for us as a church to supply somewhat a way for them to get out there and do the work of God for the, that God has called them to do. And by the way, there, there's some things that I believe God would have for us as God's people to do in this day and age right now. We just don't know it yet. We haven't seen it yet. But listen, the waiting time is meant to be a preparation time. And we're supposed to be thinking about, hey, what are we supposed to be doing to make the most of the time that we have now until God makes a move himself? And what are we doing with our lives? You know, sometimes we just go about and we have every opportunity under the sun. And we have great opportunities in this great land of ours. And we have a time to wait while God institutes our rescue ultimately. And and yet in that, let's not forget, brethren, that there's a great purpose still to fulfill. It's not just when it happens, it's while it's happening. And that's God's pattern. See, what we know as we fast-forwarded from this point to the the, the times that we read about there in, in Exodus 35 and onwards, is that what we find is that actually God had told them to do this thing. God had told these ones, the, the women, to go ahead and borrow, and he summarizes it by this way, you shall spoil the Egyptians. You, you shall. You're going to gain. And, and what God was actually trying to do was he was trying to equip them for something that was, he was about to do. And God was going to use what they have and reuse it for his purpose and glory. And what God sometimes does is he allows us to gain some things only for him to reshape it for his use later on. Because those very things that we read about, the things that we, we were told right here in Exodus chapter 3, that they were supposed to go get 
that starts to play out in, in the pattern of the tabernacle. And then we read about that there in Exodus chapter 38 and verse 8. Go back there. Notice there, and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass and of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. You know, God, he, he highlights for us here the, the women who had the looking glasses. And, you know, isn't it typical the women had the mirrors, right? But, but, you know, mirrors in that day, they were made out of brass. It was polished brass that was beaten so thin like cardboard. They didn't have glass like that we have today where you, you would put it in front of a, of a silver piece. But they used brass to, as looking glasses, as mirrors. You know what God did as they carried that? And I wonder how heavy they were. They, they would have had to carry that for all of those days and months as they journeyed to this point of, the, of their, their journey to the, to the promised land. But I, wonder, I wonder if they wondered what this was for. You know, what, what is it for? You know, there's many students here, young people who sit in school and they go, why am I sitting in class? <laughs> and all of our teachers said, amen, right? <laughs> and sometimes I walk around in our school and our, our Christian school here, and I walk around and I watch as our children, some engage, some daydreaming. And all of us here, we used to wonder, why are we doing this? There's some of you, you're, you're, you go to work and you're going, why am I doing this? <laughs> right? There's, there's many of us, we go about and there's certain things that have come about in our lives that God's just given, because really all gain is given by God. But God's given and He's given us favor, and we're like, what is it for? I, I just want to summarize it this way, it's for His purpose, <laughs> And I want to tell you that, that those ladies, as they, they spoiled the Egyptians, and, and maybe some of them embarrassingly so, they went on a, such a grandiose shopping spree. They, got, they gained all, some, some maybe a little hesitant, maybe thinking, oh, how am I going to carry this on our journey? But whatever they gained, they gained. And they didn't know it, but one day God was going to reshape it to be the labor it was going to be this laver of brass that actually was so important. You know what it was? It was where the, the sons of Aaron, the priests, would wash their hands and wash their feet. It, it was, and if you picture this, you imagine that there's this pool of water in it, and they were able to see the imperfections on their hands. They were able to see it was a mirror and a washing bowl. And they were able to see why? Because God finds importance in purity. But you know what? There had to be gain for that thing to happen. There had to be a supply of that for that very purpose of God to be fulfilled. And I, I just think that sometimes we, we question where and how the work is to be done. You know where the best place to look is? The mirror this morning. And so what do I have? What, what has God given me? What, what gain do I have? Hey, can I remind you that we're not just saved to be saved we're saved to be His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're saved for a purpose. So, so those things that God has given us in gain, those things are meant to be reused and reshaped for His purpose. And there's many things, you know, sometimes we think about our lives before Christ. 
We think about some of the things that God has allowed us, maybe some expertise that God has given us, maybe some experiences that God has allowed us to gain. And, and there's some things that, you know, as, as, as Christians, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We understand we're new creatures, but there's still those experiences that we had that maybe God, in all of his, his purpose and plan in your lives, you not knowing God was about to change your life around. God's about to reuse and reshape. You know, I, I think of, of many of those who are professionals and maybe some who have had opportunities to gain in different industries and how God can use them. I think of a particular church in the Philippines. They're, they're quite a large church. over. They have a 12-story building in the, in the middle of the business district in Manila down there. And I remember visiting one year and, and looking at some of the, the walls and some names on there, and I asked what these names were. These were missionaries that they had sent. They had sent over 300 missionaries in 12 years. You know, I asked them, uh, what, what do you do? How did you become? And you know what? These, these men and ladies were, a lot of them were just professionals. And what they did was, they didn't, they didn't just look at the education that they received as something for them. They looked at what they had and they saw it as something for God. And what they did was, all of these men and ladies, they, they were able to go into restricted access nations Places where the gospel can't just be openly preached. Places where you can't come in on a, on a religious worker's visa. Because if you do, as soon as you step out, your head will be cut off. Restricted, action, uh, uh, restri restricted access nations. But there's all these 300 and a good majority of them in these types of countries. Why? Because they used what they gained for God's glory and God's purpose. They got in there using their degrees. They got in there using their businesses. They got in there using what they had gained. Why? Because it wasn't, their attitude wasn't, it wasn't just for them. No, this was to be for God. And what happened was that in this scenario, as we think about God's people, the nation of Israel, is they understood what gain was all about. They understood that gain those, even those simple things, those looking glasses, those spoilings of the Egyptians, all of that was God-given ability to glean something and get something, and it was given by God. And there were those who were wise-hearted who understood, and, and what, what the Bible's trying to get us to understand is, let's be wise about what God has given us as gain. Where the, the, those who are wise-hearted understood. They, they understood that this wasn't just for their current livelihood, there was about to change. Things were about to change in their lives. And the ability to gain really was underpinned by their freedom from bondage. And their ability to then use this for God's purpose and glory was really underpinned by the fact that they were about to get out. They were about to, their lives were about to change. They were about to have freedom. And yet what we find in the world, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gain in the world, isn't there? You know, sometimes you read about these experts and how many letters behind their full name, PhD and, you know, Div D and all of these that just, it amazes me what, what kind of qualifications you can have. There's, there's an abundance of gain of education in the world today. 
it's, it's amazing how ridiculous, how, much, how, how ridiculous rich people are, right? You, you have these sportsmen who have earned hundreds of millions of dollars in their lives only to buy a sports team, right? And I, I look at that and I go, that is, that's just crazy. There's just money in the world, isn't there? And there's just all of that. I'm not saying that, 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 that any of us might have that this morning, but what you gain is God-given. That's what God's given you. And sometimes our attitude is, well, that's mine. Well, that's all I have. And, 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 and all of that to say, we, we've got to be wise-hearted and go, what's it for, Lord? What do you want me to use it for? And the ability to gain, it was given really as a means of supplying for their livelihood. They were about to enter the promised land, and, and they gave what they needed to to build the tabernacle. But they were, they were about to go into and conquer the promised land and go into cities at which they haven't built. But you know what? They needed some supply to be able to live there. And by the way, aren't you glad that while we're sojourning here on earth, God continues to supply our need? You know, I, I thank God every morning. I thank God that, that there was a decision made years ago that affected our lives, that moved us to this great country where we have great abundance and we have great opportunity and I was able to go to school and I was able to go to university and I was able to, now I'm able to raise my family here and, and I look at all of that and all the blessings of God, yet sometimes we walk around a little sulky, not understanding, not wise-hearted to think about all that God has done for us. All, all of those things that, that God in this time, while we're waiting to be taken to heaven, actually He's given. And we can go about and sometimes we can be a little bit just mindful of, of what is here and now and not thinking ahead to what God means it for eternity. Because I truly believe that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I hope you think that this morning as well. I hope that, that when you get the opportunity tomorrow to go to work and to earn a living, I hope that tomorrow for those of you, you have the opportunity to go and go to school and get an education. I hope that as God gives you different experiences and, and God enables you to grow personally as you develop yourself in the all of the freedoms that we have that you think about the gift giver. That actually it was God who actually, in, even in this situation, favored them in the sight of the Egyptians. I want to tell you that God looks at you and He sees one of His children if you're saved. And His favor is on you. And His grace is on you to go through each day unlike anyone else. Actually, your life is full of purpose and direction. And God, He has enabled you and He's a great gift giver. And there's a warning though that He gives His people because, and it's a warning that we would do well to take heed on. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> and notice verse 11. He says to them, And this is where sometimes we fall the trap for in our ability to gain. Verse 11, Beware that thou 
forget not the Lord thy God. In not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And he's reminding them, you know, the only reason you can enjoy these things is because I rescued you. Says, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, no, who brought thee forth out of the water, out of the rock of flint. He reminds of the journey, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And he's saying, don't forget your God. <laughs> he's saying, you know, in all ability. And, and, you know, I think that's more of a trap in a prosperous nation like we do today. That's more of a trap for us in, in Western society in all of our opportunities, in all of, all of the, the gains that we can have in this life. There's a trap to forget our God. There's a trap to, to think that we've done this with our own hands, that somehow we, and we understand that, that all of a God has a great purpose. And he tells them, spoil the Egyptians. Says get get gain. In fact, he even uses that uh, uses the same thought. Look at Luke chapter sixteen. And in this parable, there's a one who just had had good business sense. He underwrote some of the debts of his lord so that he can gain something. And notice the the. The Lord's lesson taught here in verse 8, Luke 16, 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. There it is again. He was wise. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of, of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least, and what he was referring to in least is the mammon here, the money, also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And he's saying there's things to learn in this, this children of this generation. He's saying there's things to learn if, even if you observe how the world operates at times, that sometimes they're wiser than the children of light. And sometimes there's, there's, there's an attitude about this life that, that it just those things that are least don't really count for anything and, and suddenly we're not faithful in all of our gain. We're not faithful with our experiences and our, our education and we're not faithful in those things. And, and you know, sometimes we can just think about gain, this accrual of gain and, and certainly there's the, that part of it that's the treasures of this life are our, our worldly goods that God increases us with. 
But, you know, there's so much other gain in this life. You know, we can gain knowledge. There's much knowledge. Study is a weariness to the flesh. There's certain things that I think about Jacob. He, God gave him understanding with agriculture. Maybe as he observed those others that he had been working with, he observed the way they did and didn't do things. And God gave him understanding about that to the point where he couldn't be there. The, the Bible says in Genesis 30, verse 43, and the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. And there was just so much in, uh, that he had begun to know and understand about that. You ever sit with someone who's just a know-it-all about one thing? They always try to drive the conversation to that one thing, right? Like my boys now, especially my middle one, my middle child, he's just an expert in all things basketball right now, right? He just loves that sport. So guess what? In the car, I'm trying to drive, I'm trying to drive firstly, um, but I'm trying to drive the conversation somewhere. But inevitably, the conversation turns back to this one thing. Basketball, why? Because he is an expert, I'll tell you now. <laughs> he's, got, he's got all of the stats, he's got all of the players, the numbers, the, all of that. And you know why? He's, there's knowledge to be gained. And you know, you might look at that, that's a privileged thing uh, uh, when, in comparison to maybe your expertise. But you have some, some things that you know that I don't know. Those things that you've gained through study and through knowledge in this life, you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 8, 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. It's, it's just, it amazes me that the, the knowledge that is out there about just inventions. And, you know, when I was younger, I was an avid reader of just facts about that. But there's gain in that. And, and I wonder how you can apply that. You know, there's the, the, the joy of, uh, just the, the fact that we have the Word of God, that we have the knowledge of the Word of God. And listen, there's opportunities for you and I to, to grow in that, to grow in the knowledge of God. And by the way, when, when we, have, we meditate upon these things, then our profiting appears to all. And when we're gleaning the knowledge and there's, there's just gain in that, and the Bible even tells us to add to our faith. We're meant to gain in our faith. And, and that's why we ought not to be stingy when it comes to bringing ourselves to some study time and some knowledge time. And, you know, there's too much in our day where we waste, waste our time in leisure. And I'm not against leisure in measure. But if it's all about leisure and there's other things to gain... Now, let's get the balance right. You know, there's just so much, and I was just, even this week, just convicted about it as I sat there in bed, and I thought about, okay, how many things have I read this year? How many things am I personally developing in? And there's just so much more in my waiting time to gain. How about some skills? We already spoke about Bezalel and Aholiab. They just got given skills, and maybe there's some skills that has been passed down to you. There's things I can't do that you can do. I'm sure there's many things that you can do that I can't do. And I imagine the, the, the skills that these two men had, Bezalel and Aholiab, that they were entrusted 
with, with putting together the furniture of the tabernacle, some of us can't even use the instructions from Ikea, all right? Flat packs are the bane. Just, oh, flat packs. We just don't like it. But, but you imagine the skills that some have, and God's given them skills in different, through experiences, both maybe good and bad. That's gain. There's a gain of, of finances, a supply and surplus of that. God gives us to, uh, that. There's the gain of all of that in our earthly sojourn, and ultimately we're going to have the gain of rewards one day. But I'm saying that there's this more to gain than sometimes we give it credit for. We think gain only in dollars and cents when gain is just the sum of life sometimes. It's those things that we know, that we understand, that's God-given. And all of that, there's meant to be an accrual of it in our lives. And so I'm saying, what are you doing with it? You know, stop wasting your time. Stop going about and this thing that God has given us so precious, this waiting time until our rescue is complete. And there's some times where we just go by and breeze through the week without ever gaining anything except a kilo or two. <laughs> and we go about and we're no longer bettering ourselves. There used to be that, 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 that generations were just ambitious and, and just wanting to accrue some knowledge and understanding. And, and we, where would we be if there were no ambition? And yet I sometimes look at a generation that's just got no ambition for things that matter or count. And parents, teach your children to be ambitious. Why? Because they're, they're supposed to be stewards of the life that has given them. And this life is meant to be for the betterment. And, and while we're waiting, and I know it's not, that's, it's not just not about that. But God might use that very gain in that young person's life to shape them for what they would have to do for later. I think about my upbringing, and I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful that they just encouraged me to just be better. <laughs> I just, they, they, every time there was an opportunity that came before me, and I said, Dad, what do you want me to do? He said, do it. You know, there was a, a, a in our high school, there was suddenly this thing called Toastmasters. Anyone who know what Toastmasters is? Right, it's, it's, it's public speaking, it's youth leadership. But it had never been, it had never been run in a public school ever. And one of my English teachers was ambitious and she said, you know what, let's organize this. And they handpicked eight people to do it and I was one of them and I took my permission slip to my parents and I said, mom and dad, what do you think? It's 150 bucks. <laughs> and I was thinking that'll dissuade them, you know, just extra. But you know what, they signed it in a way and said, you know, this will be good for you. And you know what, they made me do it. <laughs> and I sat in there and I now all I do is public speaking. <laughs> Who knew? I, I think they just wanted it because they just I was so shy I wouldn't speak to anyone. Uh, they thought, man, this would be better for him. He, all he does is talk to us. We're just tired of him. So and so 16. And you know what? Uh, then the next thing was suddenly I got given a slip about uh, about uh, would your son like to be in student leadership? And frankly, I didn't get along with my own age group. I always hung out with those who were a little older than me. I had no interest in, in 
leading other young people. But, you know, my parents said, you know, you should go for it. And here's a, here, let me help you with a speech. And I remember they helped me with a speech, and I had to do a speech. I had to go through an interview process. And you know what? I, be, I was in student leadership, quite involved. And, you know, I thank God for that because I looked now, and at 20, God called me to be a youth pastor. And all I did was work with youth for 11 years. <laughs> and I didn't know it. I didn't plan my life that way. I didn't look at that, and I didn't prepare that way. But listen, God gave me opportunity to gain. And some of us are sitting at home and sitting around, not even thinking that maybe, maybe God's preparing you for something that you don't even know is about to come up. Imagine those ladies when they heard, hey, spoil the Egyptians. Some of them, maybe they just, there was a piece of brass that they could have gotten, and they just, nah. And here they were, there's a call out, looking glasses. And they missed out. Some of us miss out because we just don't do. And we're asleep. And we're walking around like life has no purpose until heaven. Listen, life is full of purpose right now. And God has something for you right now. And it may not be the shape. It may not be of the use. But God will use it if you allow it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You've got to allow it. Because, because at the end of the day, we only have this time right now. See, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Hey, what happened with that as God's people? For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You know, there's going to be a time where all the gaining is done. There's going to be a time where it's too late, our, our waiting time is done. Hey, rejoicing, we're in heaven. But all the gaining is done. You know, the, the things that we wish we could have done, we, we can't anymore. It's, it, there's, there's a time for that, and God allows this time. But, but there, had to be a, uh, there had to be this application of, of that and understanding. They had to be wise-hearted. And you know what we find in Exodus 38? He made the labor of brass. There was a time where there was a call out for a need. And there was a time where those that, that obeyed in that, they were wise-hearted, they were able to. There was a, those that, like Aholiab and Bezalel and those, there was other ladies, uh, there were ladies who did the weaving work and all of that. And you wouldn't take all of the time to look at all of the different personalities. But it was them now, their turn for the gain to be given over. And here's, here's what Paul said. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and I think this is the last place we'll turn and we'll be done. <coughs> Not bad, it's the first one. Philippians 3, look at verse 4. <clears throat> and notice, notice Paul's attitude. He, he, he just says, have no confidence in the flesh. He was writing from a... Uh, writing here to, to this church in Philippi. He was rotting in jail, and, and the subject matter that he wants to deal with is rejoicing. And he says in verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He's saying, have no confidence in the flesh, but he says, I have reasons to, though. If any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And notice he goes through something, circumcised the eighth day. 
of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So he's saying, you know, I actually, I could measure up in certain things. But notice all of that. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You know what he's saying? I had much gain, but now it's, it's, I consider it a loss. Say, so you know what he's doing? You know how you can get gain to loss? You have to give it over. You've got to give over what God has given us for his use. And you think about Paul, who was Saul. You know, he had great knowledge of the Bible, didn't he? He was a Pharisee. He understood a lot of things, but God had to reshape him, didn't he? He had to take him away to the Bible college of the wilderness he had to go through and God had to re-instruct him. And you know the opening of his eyes to the types and the pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ and the meaning of the Old Testament, but the knowledge was already there. You know, many of us here, there's this great knowledge and great gain that God has given you. But here's the thing, you've not given it over. You've said it's mine. You've said this is just for me. You've said, you know what, my talents, my treasures, my time, all that I've gained, this is just, and maybe it's just a little bit of, Lord, whatever you want, it's loss. Why? That I may win Christ. Listen, many of us, we'd rather win the world than win Christ. We'd rather get the, the applause of, and we've, we've got to be careful to understand what gain is about. He, he counted it gain as loss, and what you give is what you have. You know, it's, it's, it's actually the thing that you can keep. Why? Because the Bible tells us, no, don't, don't set up treasures here on earth where moth and rot and, and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through or steal. No, lay up your treasures in heaven. He's saying make an eternal investment. Hey, give over of what you have. What, what, what you give, God will reuse. You know, those ladies, they, they held those looking glasses for those months. And, and here they were when the call out, you know what they said? You know, that's me. I have that. And, and we understand that God is, is reshaping and reusing and reforming us. And even I think about the disciples, he calls out, says, I will make you to become fishers of men. You know what they were? They were fishers already. They already knew the concept of fishing. But God was just reshaping them for His use. And many of us, you're, you're holding on to some expertise. You're holding on to some experience. You're holding on to some knowledge, some understanding. And it may not be exactly what God will use it for. But I'm telling you, God will reuse it, reshape it. And you're going to find He had a purpose in it all along. And we've got to, we've got to, we've got to, understand that this waiting time shouldn't be a wasted time. Hey, listen, if you're, 
if you're looking around and you're looking for some purpose, just put some effort in. Make the best and, and do the best. And just, just take all of what God has given for you and gain. And from your gaining, though, count it all loss for the excellency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give it over. You know, God might have a call out for someone who just needs to reach that person. And that person has similar experiences to you and you went through experiences and it could be, some, some gain isn't great gain, is it? And we'll, we'll talk, I've been, I've been, I think we'll, 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 we'll talk about it in the next couple as the Lord leads, we'll talk about loss. See, there's, in life there's profit, gain and loss. But in, in all of that we gain, sometimes the, the things that we gain, they're just, sometimes they're traumatic. Sometimes we go through stuff that we wish we didn't gain. But you know, sometimes God uses that burden and that to be the very thing he reshapes it so that you can help someone else. And it might not be this, the riches and all of that that sometimes we look at the Bible and we look at, look at the tabernacle and go, you're just talking about money. No, listen, gain is much more than that. All of us have gained some way, but some of us aren't gaining like we should. Some of us, we're wasting it. Some of us here, we have gained it, but we're keeping it. But some of us here, we understand, and you're wise-hearted, and you know what gain is all about. It's for God's reuse and reshaping. And just like those looking glasses were, it was reshaped for God's purpose in, the, in that altar. And listen, God might, might be, you know, some of us here, you, you've, you've sat and you've, well, one of the things I really regret is I wish I, 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 I continued playing piano. There's some days where I just, I just feel it. I wish I could translate it into. Some of you, you're so talented in that, you're not even using it. You've finished your grades. You, you've gone through, you have musical ability. You're not even using it. You're just sitting there and you're just going, someone else do it. Listen, there's a call out. There's some who just, they've got expertise in certain areas and there's a gap and you're not recognizing it. And there's a call out and you're saying someone else will do it. Hey, listen, maybe that gain that you got, God's calling for right now. And God's saying, it's your turn. Hey, I need a, I need, you know that thing that I gave you? Yeah, I, I need it right now. That gain, it's meant to be for his glory. And I hope that, that we, that's a way we would treat gain and we'd be the stewards of it and we would please God that way. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for just the fact that, Lord, you're so good to us, that, Lord, you supply our needs, you, you help us get gain from this life. And yet, Lord, like everything else in our lives, there's a greater purpose and there's a greater, there's a greater responsibility. So I pray that you'd help us, dear God, to understand, Lord, what, what purpose gain has in our lives and that, Father, we'd be willing to count it all loss that we might win Christ. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us, Lord God, perhaps to this morning just surrender or to re-surrender. Lord, that maybe we can just count it all joy to, to think about all that you've given, all that you've 
given into our lives and we've gained. And then, Lord, to then say, Lord, thank you. But here it is, Lord, use it for your purpose, for your glory. Help us, dear God, to just understand that, Lord, our gain ought to be for your glory. And this waiting time, dear God, ought to be a time where we, we do that, Lord, for, for your purpose, for your will, for your plan.